0: Cleveland Schmooze is sponsored by the Cleveland Jewish News. Get the latest news and information from the Cleveland Jewish News delivered right to your inbox. Choose from breaking news, daily headlines, community life cycle notices, arts, events, highlights, and more with our free e-newsletters. Sign up now at cjn.org slash e-signup. Welcome back to another season of Cleveland Schmooze, a bi-weekly podcast about the people who make up Jewish Cleveland, we're your hosts, Rachel Rood and Robin Rood. This week, we're bringing you an interview with someone with a passion for continuing education,
1: Dr. Brian Amkraut. He's the executive director of the Laura and Alvin Siegel Lifelong Learning Program, which is part of Case Western Reserve University. We sat down with him at his office in Beachwood.
0: Brian Amkraut, welcome to Cleveland Schmooze.
2: Happy to be here.
0: I feel like Jewish education can mean so many things Mm -hmm. and you can go in so many different directions when trying to develop a program around it. How creative can you get, you know, when you're developing?
2: There is a whole industry out there (laughs) working on how creative you can get within the realm of Jewish education. Mm -hmm. So uh, it just happened that when I started teaching at Siegel College, we were doing distance learning before it was in vogue. Right. So we were using nascent Internet technology where broadband was still hard to find to connect our classrooms in Cleveland to classrooms in other cities around North America.
1: Mm, I took those classes.
2: Yeah. And um, and it was actually fantastic. You know, you could get to know the people on the other side and you could read their mm-hmm. body language. Um, but I found myself in this interesting role being the younger, I think the youngest person on the faculty at the time that I became somewhat of a tech guru, that I'm, really is not my background. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I started exploring the world of uh, Jewish communal life as it was evolving through technology. And there is this whole industry, as I said, and I think it's true, on like finding these new ways to communicate with the next generation with the Jewish educational message. Mm-hmm. Right. So if you're a parent or a funder or a rabbi in a synagogue or the head of a federation somewhere, are you more concerned with what people know, what they learn, a sort of educational model, or are you more concerned with how they feel about being Jewish?
0: With the Lifelong Learning Center, Mm -hmm. that's not just for Jewish education.
2: Correct. So, you know, our our program, the the Lauren Alvin Siegel Lifelong Learning Program at Case Western Reserve University, a whole mouthful and a shameless plug at the same time, (laughs) uh, was created six years ago uh, really to find uh, a sustainable home for what was Siegel College. Uh, And a critical component of that ongoing work is adult Jewish education, but the program as a whole that I run right now is broad-based continuing education uh, for the adult population in Greater Cleveland. And one of our goals is to connect the intellectual capital of our university, the entire breadth that that represents, law, medicine, arts, languages, everything in between, and make it accessible. To people who want to continue their education uh, in in our community,
0: and besides just learning something new, you know, what are the benefits of lifelong learning?
2: Well, I, I think they're they're varied, and and obviously I I could go off with an entire discourse on the value of <laughs> lifelong learning, but I'll stress a couple of pieces, particularly for uh, the older um, segment of our learning community. Mm-hmm. There's enormous value both in terms of. Um, maintaining your cognitive functionality as you get older, but also for the social engagement mm-hmm. um, that people can come together. Same idea we talked about earlier around a shared text, around a shared piece of content, mm-hmm. uh, and especially if you sustain that. If you know if you're coming to a class week after week, uh, some of our folks are here almost every day, mm-hmm. uh, and. Enjoying not just the engagement with the material and with our faculty member, but with like-minded people who want to learn together and see tremendous value in that. So that's one piece uh, of what we do that's extremely important. Uh, But I think more broadly in terms of the value of lifelong learning, uh, we're in an age now where what you've learned, if we just take the college model, as an undergraduate will likely be obsolete. From a skills perspective, yes. in four or five years. Obviously, there, there's some things you can learn uh, in terms of soft skills, how you present, how you think critically, which are extremely important and valuable, stay with you throughout your life. Uh, but if you're working in any sort of technical field, um, computer science, hard sciences, uh, engineering uh, the technologies and methodologies are changing so rapidly so for you to remain competitive and for you know if you 're working for a company or you 're working for yourself for your company to remain competitive you 've got to continue learning throughout your lifetime um, and some of us do that as a matter of course i like I tell my colleagues in the university well this is what we do like we 're always engaged in research and and uh, if you 're going to teach a new class, you have to learn right. that material so we 're in the mode of lifelong learning all mm-hmm. the time we don 't always recognize the value that that can provide for the greater community mm-hmm. and this is true from you know someone who 's eighteen years old till you know people in their 90s and hundreds uh, mm-hmm. to be sure that there 's great benefit that they can get from continuing education mm-hmm.
0: Is there a story or a student, someone who is kind of like the poster child for the benefits of lifelong learning that you've come across? Someone who maybe they were older and kind of more isolated, but now they're.
2: We have lots of stories yeah. like that, and and you know the the example you just gave I hear all the time, particularly from people who either moved recently to town
1: mm-hmm.
2: and are looking for a way to engage, recently retired, um, and they're daily routine has now been thrown amok and, you know, we're looking to ways not just for things to do, but they used to have tremendous intellectual and social stimulation from the work environment. Uh, and so continuing education can provide uh, an outlet for that as well. Uh, and people who've lost their partner, um, either to illness or death, and again, now have a void of sorts uh, that, you know, the community that we build uh, around lifelong learning can fill for them. In terms of individual stories, we have some fantastic stories of true lifelong learners of people who've been with our program in some cases for more than fifty years, oh, um, and it's astounding that they're they're always striving to learn more. They're just great examples you for favorite, all of us.
0: Like case students for more than 50 no no years, that
2: or? that they started you know adult education in their thirties oh. and forties, and now they're in their eighties or nineties oh. and never really stopped.
1: Those are my favorite classes. My favorite classes are um, the ones where the instructor is talking about something that maybe happened 30, 40 years ago, and people in the audience are like, I was the person in that case. That was me. Yeah. Yeah. I just love that. I mean, as we're
2: talking
0: about poster children, I feel like, um... You've taken... I, I, I didn't want to put her on the spot, but I mean... million I mean, classes. Um, I
2: mean and, I, and, and I've known you now for 16, 17 years, Robin, mm-hmm. and I'm, I imagine you were a lifelong learner already before then because that's just who you are.
1: Yeah. No, I love it. And, you know, to uh, admit out loud, Brian was my uh, professor when I got my master's in Judaic studies. I can be in a class and I have, will have learned it maybe at Ohio State, maybe at University of Cincinnati, my other schools, and, or read it on my own, perhaps. And then I'll come to class, and I'll have um, you bring in fabulous professors from other places, or even I, I'm starting to love the younger professors that you're bringing in from CASE. That's hilarious. But they'll make me relearn something that I've already thought I knew all the answers to, and we'll bring that topic up again. And I'll sit there because I'm older now. I will look at it again from a boy another life perspective.
2: That, that and, is, that's and and I a think great that's point. No, I, I agree with you, and it'll allow me to evangelize very briefly on um, <laughs> the value of adult Jewish learning. Um, and I experienced this when I first started teaching at the colleges. We would have people in our classes who, the last time they had been engaged in any sort of Jewish learning, was in Hebrew school. Mm-hmm. Right, and what you see there is that their Connection, emotionally and intellectually to Jewish content is actually quite juvenile, right, that they learned this stuff mm-hmm. when they were forced to go to Hebrew school, <laughs> right, and then stopped either at Bar Mitzvah or at Confirmation, didn't engage with it at all, even as many of them had children of their own and sent them to Hebrew school, but they didn't engage the material, right, so they never really had an adult experience and adult connection. And so you can reintroduce this material Mm -hmm. and talk about it in a sophisticated, truly adult fashion Mm -hmm. and everything that that entails, Um, bringing uh, psychology in, uh, bringing literary analysis in. It opens up many folks' eyes, um, allows them to connect with this content and thereby, in an adult sense, even their Jewish identity in ways that they had never anticipated. What I've found over time is that people come back to us and, and say exactly as, as your mom just did, uh, that, um, you know, i have now thinking about this in a very different way. Uh, and, you know, part of it, yeah, sure, let's say we had a brilliant professor who was able to, you know, open up some doors for us. But the truth is, You've now got all this life experience that you bring, um, and you know, you've know you raised children, you've worked a mm-hmm. job, you've seen the political landscape uh, shift around you, and you can bring all that to, uh, to this content that we're working with. When you subscribe to the Cleveland Jewish
1: News, you receive 52 issues of the award-winning CJN and 15 total magazines, including J-Style, Canvas, and Balanced Family. Try the Cleveland Jewish News for free. Start your six-week free trial at cjn.org slash six free. What has been like
0: your favorite subject or class that you've ever taught? Just out of curiosity.
2: It's a great question because I generally don't have time to sit back and and think about it. I can
0: answer that question. Um, And then we'll ask my mom. (laughs)
2: The truth is, I, I still I, I like teaching about Israel a lot, um, because it allows us to both be topical in terms of stuff that's in the air and what's on people's minds, and from my vantage point, still be historical, because uh, I mean that's an area that, that I've studied extensively, and you know I, I can bring the documentation and the scholarship to bear on those conversations, even as we're talking about stuff that's really meaningful to people right now. I have fun with it, at least I, I try to have fun with it and, and try to engage my students to have some fun with it. But, you know, Robin, you, you can tell me what what we've done better.
1: Um, well, my favorite class, the one that made the most impact on me, was your Holocaust in the Media, and the Movies? Oh, yeah, yeah. Class, because, as I have told you privately... Um, I was in 1975 for Leatrice Rabinsky brought us all into Heights High School and made us watch those movies, Mm -hmm. scared the hell out of me, didn't, wouldn't read or watch anything Holocaust-related since, until your class. And your class then took that subject and gave us the history of how the Holocaust was introduced to America, basically, via media, movies, TV, whatever, and from that, I watched Schindler's List, and then I'm taking this Primo Levy class mm-hmm. that is absolutely phenomenal. Love that class. Thank you for the plug. That's Professor <laughs> Anthony Wexler Case Western Reserve Love University. the discussion. Fabulous discussion. Looking forward to it. But, to my point, I would have never allowed myself if it hadn't been for me attending that class that you taught and I can't remember how
2: many years ago that no, it was, it was a long time ago and um, it's interesting like, I would never answer the question when you posed it as well the most fun I had was with you know anything that's like Holocaust right. uh, related <laughs> um, but I do think when we think about uh, the role media plays uh, and and of course very different now with the internet but you know, how we learn what we learn and how most people know what they you, you know what they know or they think they know. I don't think we can overstate the role that television and movies have played in our understanding of almost everything. Uh, and the Holocaust is no different in that regard. And if we don't then understand why the Holocaust was portrayed the way that it was mm-hmm. on those screens, you know, then I think we're missing something.
1: And how can we explain it to our neighbors and friends? Sure. And this new movie that was a uh, um, Maltz exhibit, Maltz Museum exhibit, operation finale. Uh, finale is coming out now. Recently, uh, next week or the end of the month is a movie.
2: Yeah, on, on the Eisman production. Uh, the,
0: the end of August when we're taping this. Yes.
2: I <laughs>
1: guess <laughs> we can that to too. To be clear, it,
2: it, it'll it'll already be out. Yeah, <laughs> uh, go uh, see, when it. see it.
0: Anyway, well, I think we've got, uh, as I said, our poster child for lifelong learning right here. <laughs> no, she's great. Um, I'm sorry. I love it. I sign up for everything. And clearly, you know, understands the value of lifelong learning.
2: And the, the model of someone who truly embraces it and then shares that um, really passion for this experience with other people around them as we're doing here today. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that's our best marketing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, it, it's word of mouth. There was social networking before there was social media. And the people that come to our classes uh, with, with some exceptions usually come because a friend brought them along. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, we, I don't expect to see much change in that regard other than the ways that we can communicate with our friends about some of the things that we're doing. And, you know, uh, Robin mentioned, you know, not just the classes, the, some of the, the lectures that we bring in from out of town. One of the things we've really tried to do is uh, broaden the, the access that folks have in terms of entry points into lifelong learning. Because what I used to hear um, when I first started teaching here Well, yeah, it's interesting, but I, I'm not going to sign up for a full class. I, you know, I don't want to spend 12 weeks in the classroom Mm -hmm. or wow, that's, you know, going back to college, that's really intimidating and I'm not ready for that. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I think once people see that adult education, even at a very high level, um, is different than sitting in the classroom when you were 20 years old, Mm -hmm. uh, and in some ways I would actually say more rewarding Mm -hmm. educationally, uh then they're going to be less intimidated. So uh, please, uh, again, one of my plugs now, go on our website, Case Western Reserve University's Lifelong Learning Program. That's cwru.edu slash lifelong learning. In any given year, uh, we run between 250 and 300 uh, learning opportunities from one-shot lectures to full semester classes.
0: Wonderful. Well, so nice talking with you, Brian. This was truly a pleasure. You can come <laughs> back anytime. Okay, okay. great. <laughs> we will. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Cleveland Schmooze, a podcast produced by Rachel and Robin Rood. Tune in
1: every other Friday to get the latest episode in your podcast feed. You can also find an archive of our episodes at our website, clevelandschmooze.com. And feel free to share any
0: comments or suggestions to our email, clevelandschmooze at gmail.com. That's schmooze
1: spelled (laughs) C-A-S-C-H. That's schmooze spelled schmooze.
0: (laughs) Perfect. Um, Goodbye. Goodbye.